I want to share with you, as we get started today in God's Word, um, I want to share with you some core values from a couple places that you no doubt know well and frequent. All right? Uh, Here's the first one. Customers first, personal excellence, continuous improvement, working together, and stewardship. That's from a place that's known for their chicken. What do you think? What is it? Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Is it already up there? You guys cheated. You guys cheated. Not fair. All right. Here's the other one. Provide exceptional customer experience in the form of having people as the priority, products as the priority, place, price, and promotion. McDonald's. Now, this is not a debate about whether or not they live up to these things. All right? Uh, that, that, that can be determined later. Um, but these are the core values of both Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. There's core values for them. And they come directly from their mission as an organization, both Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. It's, it's what keeps them on mission. And their mission at McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, is, of course, to sell food. I mean, that's their primary mission. But with that, they want to be, in our minds, the best option to go to for a hamburger and fries or a chicken sandwich or chicken nuggets. And and let's just face it, there's no chicken nuggets like Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, right? Yeah, Joel agrees. He knows what I'm talking about. That's what they want. They want us to, to bypass other options to come to them because they have the best product and the best experience in their market. That's their mission. That's their mission. Again, whether you think they succeed at that or not, I leave that up to you. But that is no less their mission as an organization. And so their core values, which I just shared with you, that's what keeps them, theoretically, on mission. It's the gauge by which they evaluate and measure whether they're fulfilling that mission or not, whether they're carrying it out or not. And being on mission as the church means that we are driven by a shared collective purpose. A shared collective purpose. And that purpose is greater than ourselves as individuals. That's what it means to be on mission as a church. It's having a purpose that shapes the patterns and the priorities of all we do in our ministry. And here's, here's what our mission is as the church. Here's our mission. It's, it's actually very simple and it's very clear. It's in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Right before Jesus ascended back to his father, his earthly ministry was done. He made sure to extend what we know as the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is really the church's mission. It's really what the Great Commission is. Here's what Jesus himself said. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We need to remember he's saying this to his disciples, his followers, who have been with him for three and a half years learning from him. He's been their teacher. He's been their guide. 
they are following him and they have learned all that they can at this point from him. And now he's saying, take what I've, I've taught you, take what you've heard from me, take what you've seen in me, take what you've learned from me and go and proclaim it to the rest of the world. Verse 20, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, we need to keep the main things the main things. We need to keep the main things the main things. And this, what I just read, this great commission, this needs to be the primary mission of the church. Individually and corporately. We need to remain on mission with the great commission. That's what we need to do. And that really is the mission given to us by our Lord and Savior, by the head of the church. And just like core values help a company or a business that it's important for them to have in place to apply to their day-to-day operations, it's also very, very important for the local church, for us, to have core values that are tied to our mission, which I just shared with you. It's important that we have core values that help guide us in carrying out that mission. So here's what our core values are. Our core values. They, it, it's tied completely to the Great Commission and it's framed right from it. It's connected completely to it. I've talked briefly about these before, about a year and a half ago when I first came. It was just part of another message uh, as I was trying to frame what I called our DNA that I really wanted to see established here. Um, but it was a very brief comment as part of another message. I've talked about these in our membership classes that we have. Uh, so if you take the membership class, you'll hear this. Those of you who've gone through that have heard this already. But I really want to communicate this in a very focused way today to all of you. I want to make sure we're on the same page with this, that we really get this that we understand the importance of our core values. Because everything we do as a ministry, as Faith Baptist Church, our whole identity, it needs to come back to these core values. I mean, in every aspect, from the top down, from the big things down to the little things, this needs to truly be our pattern for functioning as a local church. Okay, very, very important. Here's what it is, the core values. First, first is grow, grow. That's the first aspect of our core values, grow. And by that I mean spiritual growth. That's what I'm talking about, spiritual growth. And spiritual growth primarily happens, the main way that happens is through the preaching and the teaching and the studying of God's word. It's the primary method. That doesn't mean there's not other means and other ways of growing spiritually. There certainly are. But the primary, the most important means of spiritual growth is through God's Word. Through the preaching of it, the teaching of it, the studying of it. Individually on your own, corporately together as the body. That's why we give you so many opportunities here to engage in that way. You have Sunday morning, what we're doing right now, where the preaching actually takes place. Before our service, you have what we call us call faith training, which is you know kind of a Sunday school model, um, where you can can get into a smaller group context and you can dive a little bit deeper 
than what we do normally on Sunday mornings. You've got that for all ages. Then Sunday nights, we have small groups that meet into our, in our homes throughout our community where you can not just go deeper, but you can share and contribute together. You can bounce off of one another. You can get different perspectives that maybe you don't have, and, and we, we can build into each other. It's a very important time. A lot of spiritual growth happens in the small group setting because you're able to go deeper and you're able to share with one another. All right, very important time. Then you have our Wednesday night options where we've got uh, different Bible studies for all ages, all over the campus, across the road for the teens, down the hill for the elementary age. Here, we've got different Bible study options for the adults that come. And, and all of that is not just so we can say we have these things. It's not just so that we, we say we have these offerings and we're supposed to because we're the church. It's because we believe in the importance of multiple opportunities to be in God's Word and to be under God's Word. Why? Because that's the primary way you grow spiritually. We also have an amazing resource called Right Now Media. A lot of you are using that, and that's great. But maybe some of you have come and you've never heard about Right Now Media. We launched that, oh, I guess about six months ago, something like that, six to nine months ago. Uh, right Now Media, it's an online resource that has literally thousands, thousands of video-driven Bible study options for free to you because we pay a subscription as the church. And, and it's not exactly cheap. But we pay it because we believe it's worth it and valuable to get that into your hands, into your minds and hearts, into your homes. All ages are represented on this site. They've got, they've got um, Christian programming for kids, and they've got things for teenagers, for singles, for couples, for college age, for seniors. I mean, it's, it's just about limitless. And it's like the Netflix of Bible study. You know, you can, you can develop your own cue and just watch it anywhere, anytime, on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. You can talk about it together. It's just an amazing opportunity, and we give that to you so that you can grow spiritually. So the first area that's so important to understand, to value, that is vital for our ministry to be what it needs to be, to carry out the mission, the Great Commission, is the area of growth. Spiritual growth. So we want to grow. And that comes from the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this. All Scripture, all of it. We don't get to pick and choose. We can't just say, well, I like this part, but not so much that. So I'm going to say that this is good for me, but that's not. It's not a buffet. It's not a spiritual buffet. All Scripture is inspired. That's God-breathed. That's the same idea that's behind when God breathed life into man. It's the same concept. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. For what end? For what purpose? So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's how important God's Word is. That's how vital it is to our spiritual health. You notice in, in the Great Commission, Jesus placed a lot of emphasis there on going and teaching. He said, teach the people you go to. Teach 
the people that you're making disciples of in all nations. Teach them to observe everything. Don't leave anything out. Everything I've commanded you, everything I've established, everything I've set forward as a standard, everything you've heard from me, communicate it. Teach it, spread it, proclaim it to everyone you come in contact with. Teaching is extremely important. And we do that primarily through God's word, and that's how we grow. So number one is grow. Okay, That's the first core value. Additionally, additionally, after we are growing and as we are growing, we don't just sit on that spiritual knowledge. You know, As we're learning more and more about Christ and what he has for our lives, what he's calling us to, we don't just keep all that to ourselves. We don't keep spiritual growth just inside of us. That's not the point. We're to take what we're learning, we're to take what we're growing with and take it and proclaim it and share it and show it. Okay, so the second very important area, the second core value is to go. Go. That's the first word in the Great Commission. Go, right? He's saying, you've, you've heard from me, you've learned from me, you've been under my teaching, you've been part of what I've been doing, you've been following me now for three years, but I'm going back to my father and now I want you to go. Go. Go out into every nation. Go out into every area of the world. Don't leave anything unturned. Start in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, then Samaria. Go to all the region around you, and eventually I want you to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Don't just sit with what I've told you guys. That's what he was saying to his disciples. Don't just, just, don't just sit and think about it and talk about it together. Don't keep this to, to yourself. Get out, go, bring my truth to the world. And that's what we're, we're to do as well. We're not just to grow. We're to take our growth and we're to go. And, and this really relates to a show and tell approach to evangelism. A show and tell approach to evangelism. You guys, most of you probably remember show and tell, right? You guys remember show and tell in school? Let me see. Let me, I, I got to see a show of hands. Show me those hands. Show me those hands. Show and tell. You guys remember it? Yeah, it was awesome, right? It was, it was one of the greatest parts about being in school. I mean, it's where they actually allowed you to go and show off your stuff and make other people jealous. It was amazing. Um, in, in Greater Beckley, which I was a student of, this started in kindergarten. Mrs. Coley was my teacher. Yeah, really. Mary Sue Coley. She was my kindergarten teacher. Um, and we had show and tell in kindergarten. I was so psyched about it. Because I, at a very early age, loved G.I. Joes. Who loves G.I. Joes? Let me, let me see those hands again. All right. All right. Yeah. G.I. Joes. And, and, I mean, you know, kids today, with what they have to play with, they just don't know. They don't know what they are missing out on. I mean, man, in the early 80s, we had the toy market cornered. That was the toys right there. G.I. Joe's, Transformers, all that good stuff. So, G.I. Joe, you know, they came out with this, this awesome, this awesome jet. I mean, look at this thing. Look at this beast. Oh, yeah. I, I, you, you don't appreciate it from there. I've got to just show this thing to you. I mean, this thing, look at this thing. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Yeah, I mean, yeah. This, this is their version of the SR-71 Blackbird, by the way. All right, look at this thing. Isn't that amazing? It's just beautiful, right? 
So they came out with this, and of course, every kid had to have it that was a true G.I. Joe fan. And uh, so I wanted, I wanted it, I wanted it, I wanted it. Finally, guess what? I got it. I got it for Christmas. So I knew, as soon as school came back into session, oh, I knew what I was bringing to show and tell. And uh, sure enough, I did. I brought it. And other people, they brought things like bunny rabbits. <laughs> they brought cats. I mean, you know, this, some kid brought like this erecta set. I mean, what is that? So, I mean, I was sitting there snickering. I was like, <laughs> came to my turn and I was like, you know, taking it and, and holding it up just like I did. And I expected like a ray of light to come down through the ceiling, you know. And, and I was just like, check this out, guys, huh? Don't you wish you were me, all right? Oh, I loved it. I showed it off. I told all about it. I, I mean, I got all the details covered. I made everyone by the end of that show and tell absolutely completely envious of Chris Chesley. At least that's what was in my mind. That's how I viewed it. But I was just, I was so proud of that thing, right? I just had to let everybody see it. I had to let everybody know about it. I couldn't tell them enough about it. Anybody that, that I was in eyesight of, I, I pointed to it and I talked to them all about it and I sold it up and made them want one themselves. Church, that's what we have to do when it comes to our witness. Because we have the greatest treasure in the universe. We have the greatest truth that anyone could ever hear. We have the answer to every problem. We have the answer to the most significant universal problem, which is a sin that is a barrier between us and a loving God that wants us in his family. We have the answer. It's the gospel. It's what Jesus Christ did in my life and, and what he did in your life if you're part of Christ. We have that. We have that. And we cannot, we cannot keep that to ourselves. We can't keep, first of all, what Jesus did by saving us to ourselves, but we also can't keep what he's continuing to do in our lives to ourselves. We can't keep the miracle of sanctification, of, of the awesome ways he's growing us more into the image of his son. We can't keep that to ourselves, and we can't keep that silent. We've got to go with all that we know. We've got to go with all that God is growing us and doing in our lives. We've got to go, we've got to proclaim it, and we show it and we tell it. It's so easy to leave one of those parts out. You know, we can either really emphasize the showing, the living out our faith, and, and kind of the lifestyle evangelism. We can get that down pretty well, but sometimes we neglect the telling, the, the actually speaking of the gospel. Or we'll really major on the telling, the talking it up, and the proclaiming the gospel verbally, but maybe we err and we are weak in the area of showing it, living it out. It has to be both. That's God's plan for evangelism. It's not either or, one or the other. It's both. It's showing and telling the truth that we have and that we know. All right? And that is explained to us, communicated to us very clearly in James 2, 18 and 26, starting off. This is the show part, okay? This is the, the living it out, the showing your faith. James says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works, you know, mutually exclusive. But James says this, show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. Notice the difference there? Our works do not save us. 
But saving faith will always work. Saving faith will always have works as a verification or a validation of the faith that is professed. That's what genuine saving faith will always result in. It will always produce righteous works, good works, okay? I will show you my faith by my works. And then he says this, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, and we understand that, that's common sense. Can't have a a body without a spirit to animate it. That's what makes it a living person. Just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. See? You have to show it. You have to put it on display. But it's not just about that. Like I said, Romans 10, 13 through 14 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? It's a good question, right? And how can they believe without hearing about him? Again, common sense. Connects. It's dominoes. And how can they hear without a preacher? And that doesn't just mean someone like me. That means if you're in Christ, you're an ambassador of Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, that we are ambassadors of Christ as if God was making his appeal through us, be reconciled to God. That's what it means to be a Christian. You're an ambassador of the salvation and the Savior that you have, okay? That means every Christian is a preacher. You're a proclaimer and a messenger of the good news, of the greatest news, okay? So this clearly, Paul here clearly says, you're saved by hearing about the Savior. And you call on him and you're saved, but how can you hear about him? How can you believe on him and call on him unless you've heard about him? And how can you hear about him unless someone tells you about him? So it's both. It's both. It's living it, showing it, and telling and talking about it. That's what the gospel needs. It needs both. So we grow. We grow, first of all. We need to grow ourselves because, I mean, we can't go out and proclaim truth that we don't know and have ourselves, right? So we need to grow spiritually. We need to grow up in Christ. But as we're doing that, as we grow, we take all that and we go. We go out and we show and we tell, okay? And then last but certainly not least, the third aspect of our core values, what needs to be our core values, what I want to be our core values is so. That's the third one, so. And by that, I mean investing intentionally in someone else's life. Investing intentionally, and I would add continually, in someone else's life. What I'm really talking about is discipleship, okay? Discipleship. Here's what 2 Timothy 2.2 says. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and this concept is on display here. He says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see duplication here, right? You see multiplication. Paul says, I I taught you, I mentored you, I discipled you, I raised you up in the faith. Now I want you to go and do the same thing. Reproduce in others what I did in you. It's about multiplication. 
I teach you, I pour into you, I, I invest in your life. I am used by God to help you grow. And then you go and you do the same with someone else. And they do the same with someone else. And on and on and on and on we can go. It's not a pyramid from the top down thing. It's, a, it's just a connected chain link kind of concept. We're all growing together, but we're also pouring that growth into one another all the time. And it's intentional. It's deliberate. And it's also very specific. This does not work with like one person taking a big group of people. That's not how it works. We really can follow Christ's own example in this. He had, out of his 12 disciples, he had three people that the whole time he was ministering, he really poured into. I mean, he really invested in them in very specific, concentrated ways. Peter, James, and John. He would often take them out from the rest of the group, not because they were better than the rest of the people, but because he had some very specific molding of them in mind. And he poured into them in a very concentrated way. It's a really good example to follow. When you're discipling someone, when you're really pouring into them, one-on-one works probably the best, okay, one-on-one. But, you know, two-on-one, that still works pretty well. Three, it's really the most you can, you can do to successfully disciple. Once you get into beyond a three-to-one ratio, it really gets hard and you really lose something. So the fewer, the better. But it's about pouring in and investing spiritual truth, spiritual development in someone else's life. And we need to all do that. We're told in Scripture that the old men need to be doing this mentoring and discipling, raising up the younger men in the church. The older women, those who've walked with Christ longer, need to be doing the same thing to younger women in the church. And it's just across the board. This is not just for the pastors to do. This is for you as members of Christ's body and this local church to be doing. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 lets us know that's how it's supposed to work. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, For Christ himself gave to the church apostles, teachers, prophets, for the purpose, for the purpose of equipping the saints, that's you, to do the work of the ministry, which is to grow, to go, and to sow. That's the work of the ministry. That's it. These are the core values that are all part of, connected to, go back to our mission as the church, which is the great what? Yes, it's the great commission. We need to keep it simple. We make it so unnecessarily hard. We add so much to it that's not meant to be added. It's very simple. The mission of the church is the great commission. How we live out that mission, how we apply it, how we put it into action is the core values. It's how we actually carry it out. And that's the gauge for us to measure how we're doing on that. Are we, are we reaching those goals? Are we meeting that mission in every area of our ministry? Proverbs 27, 17, still on this concept of so, says this. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens one another. See, it's give and it's take. I, I help you, you help me. I impact your life, you impact my life. I keep you accountable, you keep me accountable. It's the same concept over and over and over again. And that's what we're called to do. All this, all this is about kingdom focus. Kingdom focus. Not me focus. All this is about big picture thinking. You know, it's about, it's not sweating the the little, small, nitpicky 
super detailed stuff that, that really isn't necessary or vital. I'm not saying that things aren't important beyond this. I'm not saying we don't have discussions and, and conversations about other things and maybe how we could do something better. But I'm talking about keeping the main thing the main thing, which is the mission of the church, which is the Great Commission. It's about big picture thinking with, with Christ and his gospel at the center. It's, it's what needs to drive and define all we do. See, being the church and being on mission as the church, it's not a, it's not a philosophy or mindset that is self-serving or consumerist-based. That's not going to work. That, that has no place in the mission of the church. Our core values have no room, no room for building our own personal kingdoms. They have no room for it. Our core values have no room for customized versions of the church, little customized versions here and there. You know, I'm going to make the church how I think it should be and how I want it. And, and you over there, you can make the church how you want it to be. And, you know, we'll just see if it works together. And if not, I guess we'll fight about it. You know, that's not what we're called to be. It's not what we're called to do. Our core values just have no room for that kind of thinking. It's not about getting or holding on to our own control or power or getting more influence. That's not what it's about as the church or being the church. That's not what our core values are about. That's not what the mission of the church is about. It's about giving the Lord Jesus control over everything. It's about submitting to his plans, his Agenda, not ours. His direction. It's about making much of Him. That's what it's about. And it's what it needs to be about. Our attitude needs to be that of John the Baptist when he said this about Jesus. He said, He must become greater. He must become greater. I must become less. That needs to be our attitude, church. That's what needs to drive us and define us. That's what these core values are really all about. That's what it all comes back to. And these are so absolutely vital and important for us to, to not just hear and not just know and recognize, but to believe and to internalize so that we can externalize. We need to, to, to embrace these things, to apply these things to every area of ministry every aspect of what we do here. And to help with that, you're going to be seeing this going forward in more visible ways. You're going to be seeing this around the church, okay? You're going to be seeing these core values. Go, grow, sow. You're going to be seeing that places. Because as we see things in front of us, as we're reminded of things visually, it helps us to retain them mentally. And if we can retain them mentally, we're more likely to carry them out physically. Right? With me on that? So look for these things in the future, all right? In the near future, we're going we're gonna to be seeing these around our facility and around our ministry so that we can go back to it. Oh, yeah, that, that's our core values. I mean, I, I want to see us have this so much a part of us that we do have it just memorized completely. We have it down, but not just so that we can have it memorized, so that we can actually totally carry this out. So it becomes just part of us intrinsically at every level. 
so that we're growing, we're going, and we're sowing constantly, constantly, and increasingly. Okay? So you're going to see this going forward. Look for that. And here's, here's really what makes it all possible. Here's what it all comes down to as a foundation. The reason that we have the mission that we do, the reason we were given that mission, the reason that we are what we are as the church, the reason we have these core values, the reason that we can grow, and the reason that we have the ability to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, the reason that we have the awesome privilege and responsibility to sow into one another is because ultimately... We have a Savior who sacrificed Himself for us. We have a Savior who birthed the church, who brought about the church at the expense and cost of His own life. It was the blood of our Savior that birthed what we are, the church. And that needs to be our supreme focus. That's, that, that needs to be our reason for all we are and all we do as the church. It needs to come back to Christ's sacrifice for us. That needs to be our motivator. That needs to be our driving force and our energy, all that he did for us. So we're going to wrap up today. We're going to end by doing exactly that. We're going to commemorate our incredible Savior who selflessly sacrificed himself, not just so that we could have life abundant and eternal, but so that we could have the church, so that we could have what we are here today. Would you pray with me? And then I invite you, if you're a believer in Christ, whether you're a member of this church or not, to partake with us in the Lord's Supper. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the mission of the church that you have given us. Oh, Father, may, may it be something that does not leave us, that we don't forget. May you keep this fresh in our minds and our hearts. Please, by your Spirit, help us to see how vital it is that we grow, how valuable that is, how necessary that is to accomplish the mission that Jesus gave us. Help us to grow and to take every opportunity to do so. But help us not to just sit on our growth and to keep it to ourselves. Rather, help us to go and to show and to tell the awesome truth, the life, the love that we have received from Christ. And as we're going, help us to make sure that we are sowing into one another's lives regularly, increasingly. That we are fulfilling that part of the Great Commission, that we make disciples. Oh, Father, let this define and drive Faith Baptist Church. And help us to remember, Father, that it all comes back to the sacrifice of your Son on our behalf, which we honor and remember now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.